teachers, I'm Carly Walton, and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast, your number one resource for innovative online music teaching. Hello, hello. Welcome to the TML Podcast, especially if you are a new listener. I'm so glad that you are here. In this podcast, I share business tips for running an online music studio. We talk about everything you need from marketing to social media to building a studio website, everything that you need to really be successful as an online music teacher. In today's episode, I had an amazing opportunity to chat with Sadie Hoyt, and in this episode, she shares not only the benefits of classical music for us as musicians, but also how amazing it is for our students and their families to listen to classical music in their home. Sadie has created some amazing free resources that I'm really excited to share with you. Whenever I find valuable resources from excellent musicians, I'm like, yes, 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 please share them, and I always want to share them with others as well. For today's Teach Music Online review, I'm sharing an audio snippet from one of our fantastic members, Brooke Schrager. We love Brooke so much. She manages a studio of 200 plus students with more than 11 teachers that she has hired. She actually has a workshop for teachers inside Teach Music Online all about hiring teachers to expand your business. So if you're inside Teach Music Online, be sure to check that out. Here is a little audio snippet from Brooke. Hi, my name is Brooke Schrager from Lessons by Brooke and Company. I was fortunate enough to attend one of Carly's free webinars about engaging students in online lessons during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I have to say that Joining Teach Music Online has been the biggest game changer for my business as we navigate these uncertain times. I learned more about teaching music online, but also networking with other teachers within the community has helped to grow my business for in-person students as well. Learning from other studio owners and teachers has been absolutely invaluable, and Carly's knowledge base and means of connecting us together through wanting to grow and be the best music teachers we can be has truly changed my business for the better. I cannot say enough great things about the Teach Music Online community. I personally have made lifelong friends and changes to my business that will last forever and ever. If you are thinking about joining Teach Music Online, I couldn't recommend it enough. I feel so grateful whenever I have testimonials come in like Brooks that really remind me why I created Teach Music Online in the first place, which was to help teachers feel confident and excited and ready to have growth in their music studios, whether it was online or in person. What I did not know was how Teach Music Online would connect teachers around the globe in such meaningful ways. And as Brooke said, help one another in collaborative ways to really have more amazing opportunities to teach, to market, to expand, to raise rates. I mean, the list goes on and on. So thank you, Brooke, so much for sharing your experience with Teach Music Online. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into today's discussion with Sadie Hoyt. Hi, Sadie. Welcome to the Teach Music Online podcast. How are you today? I'm great. So great to be here, Carly. Can you tell us about your background with classical music. I just want to hear all of it because I've seen you have such a passion and love for classical music, for listening, for teaching, for understanding the history behind it. So share with us what inspired you to, I guess, or what gave you this love for classical music from a young age? Sure, yeah. 
So I started piano lessons when I was five, five, six-ish. Um, so, you know, just through taking piano, um, of course, a lot of piano teachers introduce their piano students to classical music. So from a young age, I was, you know, learning classical music. Um, but I owe the bulk of my love for classical music to my parents and the home environment that I grew up in. My parents really, really emphasized art, music, good books. Um, so like we had a huge record collection, huge CD collection. Um, we went to the symphony all the time, the ballet, the opera. Oh, my mom awesome. was a ballet dancer, so she brought her love of you know ballet into the family. And then my dad, um, he comes from a family that all took classical music and we inherited a grand Steinway from his family. So it was just very much a part of our you know, family culture. And so I sensed that as a child and it stuck with me. Um, and, you know, we, we grew up with a lot of music genres and I like to emphasize that I'm not just a classical music lover. I love all, a lot of genres. I like to say I like great music, but I will say that out of all the genres that I was exposed to as a child, classical has definitely had the most profound impact on me. And it's really like, it sounds maybe a little cheesy but it just totally has changed and influenced my outlook of the world and the way i see like humanity the depth of the human heart um, all of that like it's just yes. i i know that i owe a lot of that to classical so um yeah that's that's why i do what i do i try to spread the word i love hearing that your parents brought that into your home and unfortunately in today's world it's hard to find a household that really loves and uh, encourages their kids to listen to classical music or brings it into the home. You know, you said something that I think is really amazing. You said that it's impacted how you view the world and has changed your perspectives. What are some of the benefits that you've seen in your life? And I don't even know if you can differentiate, right? Because you've never been without it. But have mm -hmm. what have you what do you feel like um it's given you as far as perspective or just gratitude or history? What are some of those things? I'd love to hear them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it is really hard to separate because it's been with me since day one. But um I mean <laughs> it's beautiful. It's very powerful. Um I think I think you know because it's fully notated there's a huge capacity for creating a, I like to call it like a cathedral of sound, like just a majestic masterpiece. Um, you know, like I listen to music throughout my day quite often. And, you know, there are many times a day where I don't choose classical. It's often during those times of day where mm -hmm. I need music for a specific purpose. So it's like, I'm stressed out. I'm going to listen to some cool jams or like, um, I need to relax. I'm going to put on some harp music. Um, you know, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to put on this hymn, like there's, there's very specific purposes for music, but I think that what classical has offered me is music as art. So sometimes I don't even know what I need in the moment. And then I turn on classical and I realize, whoa, I, you know, I just had an experience. I didn't, ex I didn't realize I needed to revisit that memory and process it or, um, Yes. Yeah, it can be like a powerful space for catharsis and um, self-reflection. And I think especially today when we're just given, you know, everything already created for us, like it's just like we live in an era of consumption and it's so important to have those art forms that don't fill in all the gaps for us. You know, like a beautiful work of fiction, you know, you have to imagine 
the rest of the details in your head. Um, I think classical music is, is really similar actually to you know, an amazing piece of fiction in that way because it doesn't give us all the missing right. pieces. It doesn't usually assign a particular script. I mean, you, you of course have certain pieces like the Nutcracker that do, um, but the bulk of classical music doesn't come with even sometimes a title, you know, it's called symphony number one, symphony number two. And I think that's really beautiful because it becomes something different in the minds of every single listener. Um, so, you know, for me, just I'll be maybe experiencing, you know, a moment of darkness. And then I just remember this beautiful symphony. And I know that if it's possible to bring all those instruments together and to create order out of chaos and for, for a composer to imagine that great piece of art, then there's so much goodness in the world and life is okay. <laughs> yes. I, I think about my own experience with classical music as well. And for me, a lot of it came from understanding the composers and perhaps what they were going through in their life or where they were raised, you know, whether it was Germany or England or France or where they came from and their history and what encouraged them or the trials in their life that caused this work of art. And then, you know, studying a lot of piano music and once you know the composer, like I love Chopin, and once you know his life a little bit more, or Schubert, I mean, there's so there's so much more um, depth to learning their work when you understand who wrote it. And you said you mentioned that you have a degree in history. So how did that history degree help you even more dive into the history of music as well? Yeah, I'm actually so grateful for that detour because I definitely went about my music career in a roundabout way. Um, I, I considered going to conservatory. I, I got into a conservatory and then decided on the liberal arts instead, which was really great because I did my music at the same time. I got a minor in music and a major in history. But um, yeah, I would say from an early age, I've always been fascinated. And again, I owe this to my home environment too, with so many good books lying around and artwork lying around and history and all of that. I've always been really fascinated by um, seeing the parallels between all the different art forms and the reflections of what's happening within history in the music. Like, um, and I, tr you know, I, tr I try to bring that into music lessons too. But you know, just playing, you know, Debussy, you can hear the artwork in his music. I love, I love looking at not only the history but like the gardens of the time, the styles of the time, the mannerisms, the philosophy, the all of that. It's just you can you learn to connect the dots and then yeah and that's another reason why classical music is so important it's bringing us different eras right here and then and we can experience it now um, so you kind of you enter into historical time periods um, different eras you experience tragedies from a different era but then also like the resilience of humanity amidst those tragedies like you know composers like Shostakovich and mm -hmm. um, holocaust survivor composers people like that Yes, there's so, it just adds depth. It adds depth and meaning, especially when accompanied by world music, music of the world. I mean, the study of music is the study of history. And I love, gosh, I love that so much. I had a call months ago with someone who teaches world music and he does, um, he knows like the music of every single country and culture and oh, he wow. teaches that. And I, I just thought, gosh, that would be such a fun thing to study as well. You know, I had like one class on world music in college and I thought there's yeah. so much. We're never done learning or under or understanding 
music, why it's written, who it's written by, what what can be done with it. And another thought I had was I firmly believe in bringing music into our homes that are uplifting, that encourage us to be kind, be thoughtful, be considerate, be compassionate um, versus mm-hmm. music that is uh, heavy or, um, you know, has rhythm, rhythms or language that are that bring negativity or that feel just hard. And I've since since a young age have felt that way about media and music. And I hope to give that to my kids as well. But what's hard is what the world is giving us. Um, You know, you turn on a radio, you turn on Netflix, you turn on a movie. It's, well, some movies have obviously have amazing soundtracks. I'm more thinking about the pop culture. And pop music is fun. That's what teenagers are usually drawn to. And what even my four-year-old is drawn to. Like, she wants to play, you know... (laughs) She wants to play a lot of pop music, which we let her sometimes, but I'm trying to find ways to help her see the, to help her see the goodness that comes from classical music. So one thing we've done is like the William Tell Overture, you know, that's our cleanup song. We turn that on when we're cleaning up the house because it's like fast and exciting. Um, We listen to the Nutcracker a lot, like Claire de Lune is is a very lyrical one. They love pretending to be ballerinas, but I want to shift into you telling us about how you've made it your mission to bring classical music into the everyday home. Maybe it's even a home where there's not any musicians, but it's a home where every home should be filled with good music that um, encourage our kids to be good and to enjoy the richness of classical music. So tell us about, first of all, why have you made this your mission and, and, and how are you going about that? Mm, yeah, no, it's so challenging because um, everything you said, I'm not a mom, actually, so I don't have, you know, hands on in the home experience, but I am a teacher, of course, to many kids and I have lots of nieces and nephews and I see the ramifications of just so much media screen time. And I think that's ultimately what it all comes back to. I mean, it, it yeah, we could, that's a whole nother It topic, is. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean... Why, why is it important was the question I believe. And then how am I doing it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, back to kind of what I was saying before, I think, you know, kids are suffering the ramifications more than anyone of this time period with so much digitalization of everything and this, um, alternative reality. Um, you know, I'm not saying video games are bad, but back to what I was saying earlier about just being fed, uh, completed images they don't really have as many outlets for creativity. So they're born naturally creative. Like we are all born natural artists. And then I feel like, especially right now, that's kind of, you know, squelched over time through just instant gratification. So, I mean, of course the child is going to want to turn on, um, I actually like Taylor Swift, but I'm just gonna use her as an option, as a, you know. So I I think she's she's really fun. But of course they're gonna maybe wanna listen to people like that and other pop artists. Uh, versus, you know, a classical piece that takes just a little bit more work because you have to kind of, you have to engage and you have to participate. So it's going to be a struggle at first, probably with most kids. And they might even say it's boring. They hate it. Like who knows? Um, But I I just firmly believe that the payoff is so great and that it will have an effect on them, whether or not they realize it in the moment. I think like disengaging from screens, blasting that beautiful piece of music and just giving them like, a piece of paper, draw what you hear, yes. write down what you hear, 
Um, it's going to be so helpful for them to like process emotions that they don't even know how to articulate yet. Um, as you said, like cultivate virtue in the home, like a good, good uh, behavior. Like they hear that intuitively in the music. When I think about myself growing up in a Christian home, I was taught, you know, really good um, virtues and all that stuff. But I, I don't know. I just feel like classical music gave it to me on a sensory level. And I just kind of intuitively heard, you know, this is what it means to really be a, a truly good person and, and follow these virtues. Um, so I've made it my mission just because I feel like not enough people kind of understand why we should listen to classical. It's sort of like this antiquated um, or like privileged thing where it's like this fancy thing that you dress up for. You go to the symphony on a date with your husband um, or, you know, it's like a museum piece. Like we're going to study the works of Haydn, you know, and this guy wore a wig and like, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's just um, unfortunately too often just removed from the home. And I just think like, it's important that, as you said, like we fill our homes with these reminders of what it means to be a good person. And I really think classical music can do that in a really powerful way. Um, so I'm all about bringing, I love to say like, I like to bring the symphony hall, hall into people's homes. And mm -hmm. the ways I'm doing that is I'm trying to create a lot of free resources just to get the word out there as fast as possible. Um, and then, you know, eventually I'm hoping to create a music listening journal for kids where they can um, hopefully be doing this on a daily level, but sitting down more often and having prompts to engage their imaginations and to encourage them to articulate a response. So that's my, that's my goal. That's awesome. it's, it's in the works. Um, right now I'm just focusing on free resources. Since the pandemic, we've had kind of this rethinking of how we educate our children in the home and what good resource, what good resources are out there and what can be created for parents in the home. So when I saw you were doing this, I was like, this is perfect. Like this is perfect timing. People need this, you know, especially making it so that they can do it in the home. So it doesn't have to come from a music teacher, or maybe it's initiated by the music teacher, but then the, the teacher is helping the family and the parent learn together. Is that right? Kind Absolutely. Of and I think it's so important that it actually starts with the parent, because as we all know, the ramifications from that are just amazing. Like if you get the parent excited about classical music, it will become a family affair and it will be a home affair instead of like another assignment for the child. You know, what you don't want it to be is just like, I mean, it might start this, it might need to start this way, but ideally it's not just a homework assignment, but you're getting the whole house excited and you're filling that house with the beauty and power of classical music. Yes, I love it so much. So I had another question and I want to know as a piano teacher for you, what do you do or what are some tips you might have for teachers when a student is just straight up not interested in classical or that's really turning them away from the instrument? Do you have any tips or tricks? <laughs> I'm laughing because I have a lot of students that are in that position and I, I, I've been wondering the same thing myself. No, I do have some tips. I just, um, first of all, I make sure that I definitely am I'm doing stuff that they love. So I, I don't do the whole like, well, I teach classical and you must play this only and sorry, you hate it, but let's just keep going. <laughs> so I, I definitely try to find pieces of, well, usually they're songs. I usually, you know, they want to learn a pop song or like a video game theme, which by the way, it's surprising me how many very cool uh, video game themes are out there. So I try to 
in addition to classical music, always have that, especially if they, once they reach like age 10, I try to have it more be like, they have their own project that they're really passionate about and it's, they decide what it's gonna be and I okay it. And then in addition, we have a classical piece. So kind of goes hand in hand and then they feel like they have, you know, some say in the matter. In terms of how I get them to, to hopefully love it more, um, I try to really get inside the minds of both the composer and the child playing the music. So, you know, instead of just like, play that staccato, like, are you playing these articulations? Like, why are the articulations there? You know, what, what image was the composer trying to create with those articulations? What, what shapes, emotions, um, you know, land, every, all of that. So I, we try, and then we go into the composition process also theory-wise, and I'm always surprised by how the kids do think that's pretty cool. Like, what was the composer doing? Let's look at the chord progression here. And then, whoa, change of key. Look, he's going to a whole new area. And I think that, you know, theory becomes so alive when you, when you bring it into the piece of music you're working on. So I try to do that, but then ultimately asking the child questions that make them realize they can really make this their own. This can truly become their own piece of music by inter their interpretation. So just asking them what stories do you hear, what colors, um, what emotions, what character do you assign to this piece, then, then they really can start to get excited about it. Um, I think yes. ultimately if the student, or sorry, if the teacher is excited about it and you convey that and remembering that that speaks so much on its own. Like the child can sense if the teacher is excited, they will generally, that'll be intoxicating and they'll, they'll catch some of that. And then mm -hmm. the other thing I just want to add, though, is that I think that there's unfortunately a lot of dry classical music that I would say maybe we shouldn't play anymore. It's just really not that interesting. And just just because it's old and in the classical canon doesn't mean you have to teach it. Because I know for myself, I learned some pretty boring pieces and it seemed like it was just because I needed to learn like a certain technique or, um, you know, something very specific. And I, I, I don't think that's necessary. I think we should just assign the really great pieces, the really inspiring, exciting, beautiful, truly great pieces. So the children see like, this is great stuff. This is not just yeah. like, you know, classical textbook. That's such a great point. You know, I'm thinking about the typical 16 year old who's been taking lessons since they were eight. It's like, how many songs will they really learn? Maybe 30 to 40 really well. That's and, right. you know, it's, they're not learning like books and books and books, like someone might do once they get to college or later on in their life. But as a kid, you, that's such a great point that we really can focus on really good arrangements of songs that we love, that we know might be really fun with different rhythms from a variety of composers with a variety of imagery. And you just kind of bundled up for us a number of things we can do with our students to bring classical music alive. And I just want to tell teachers, like we should never just be handing them a song, putting a date on it, circling some things and expecting that student to come back fully practiced. I think that's on us as teachers that is where we are in fault if we're going I don't know why they don't like classical music well hello they're surrounded by screens and a lot of other music and movies and games that are way more entertaining and so we need to be more creative we need to think about how we can connect with the student on their level and talk about things that matter to them in the music and bring it to life like you've mentioned 
one thing I wanted to add to all of the suggestions you gave is demonstration in a variety of ways. And YouTube is just the such a great tool, a database of many people playing these classical works. And I would even look up that song and find someone their age playing it at a recital or playing it on stage at a in a competition. Even if it's a slightly different arrangement, they're still learning the tune, they're learning the melodies, they're learning how it goes. And they're going, oh my gosh, that 12 year old is so good. I wanna be like him. And I can remember as a teenager, I don't, I don't even know that YouTube was around yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know you I know, I don't know, like 15 years ago, uh, 16 years ago, I don't know. But I can remember listening on iTunes to the music that a teacher had given to me and just listening to it during the week and going, wow, this is really beautiful. This isn't just boring. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned the listening component and also all of the, um, you know, we have so much at our fingertips right now living in this century with all these brilliant pianists around the world that we have access to. And actually, I've, I have been doing that as well. What you just mentioned is such a good idea um, in terms of you know asking them to listen to different performances by different pianists out there. And I remember I asked a 16 year old to listen to four different pianists playing the same piece and asked her to tell me which were her favorite and why. And she loved that assignment. She could see the slight variations, nuances that each pianist brought to the same work. And it really inspired her. She kind of decided which she wanted to take, which aspects of each performance she wanted to learn from and listening is a huge component that we could be tapping into. And I think we, I don't know. I mean, I think we sometimes want to apologize for assigning too much, but assigning listening is a really fun, easy assignment that'll bring so much life to their playing. Yes. And teachers shouldn't be scared to bring it into the lesson either. Sometimes we need to use lesson time to scroll through YouTube and just watch 20 seconds of some different videos to show yeah. them because sometimes kids won't do it and that's okay. I don't think we need to be hard on them about it, but demonstrating it for them with them. I want to hear about your resources. First, I want to hear about the resources you have that teachers can, um, send to their the parents of their students so what what's your website and what are the resources that they can be using for their lessons yeah so my my website is just my name.com so it's sadiehoyt.com and on the free resources page i you know my website is still fairly recent but i made sure it came with my first free resource which is a um a really pretty printout that the parents can print out for home use it's listening charts it's called 30 days of classical encounters so the idea is one classical encounter per day for a month, and it's divided into five weeks. So each week gets six tracks, and there are barcodes for Apple Music and Spotify for each track. Um, there is a way for them to rate each track so they can really personalize it, You know, decide which ones are their favorites. It tells them the date that it was written, the country of origin, of course, the composer's name, and you know, it, it provides a timeline so it's just, it's just a way to, it's like an aesthetically pleasing and practical way to start to introduce classical more regularly into the home. And I think just visually seeing it helps a lot. Uh, so yes. there's, so there, there's that, um, and teachers can, for sure, I, I would say it'd be awesome to start spreading that to families. Then the, the whole family gets involved, like we said earlier. And then, um, the resource that's going to be coming out, I believe, in time for this podcast release is going to be a child-focused one. So it actually goes hand-in-hand -hand with the resource I just mentioned, 
So you can pair it with that and when you turn on those orchestral tracks, and by the way, it's 30 days of orchestral masterpieces. I forgot to mention that. So uh, my idea is to eventually do all the subgenres of classical music, but I, I thought, of course, I'd start out with a bang with the orchestral masterpieces. So the second resource is going to be a printout that the child can complete while those tracks are being played. And it comes with a musical timeline of all the eras of music and asks them to shade in the timeline that the composer belongs to. Um, and then it asks them about five different questions that just help them articulate a response to the music. And I think maybe a way to talk to parents about this too is, is talking about how this will also just help them. It'll help them engage their imaginations. It'll also help them be able to articulate a response. And I, I, have, I provide an adjectives gloss, glossary on the page so that the child is using really good descriptive words when they're listening to this music and hopefully, you know, learn the art of <laughs> articulation as well. So um, yeah, this, this resource will be out soon. I'm hoping a lot of families will start tapping into it and start having their kids listen to more classical on a regular basis. Oh, it's so good. I'm, I'm, as I'm hearing it again, I'm going, I actually did look at them and I want them, I want to use it for my four-year-old and I'm a three-year, four and three-year-old. And I think this is such a great way, you know, as a parent, I'm thinking, I love music so much. And I'm, it's been interesting as I've been raising these tiny people, like it's not easy. <laughs> so yeah, just like, sure. I, you know, I thought, oh, they're going to love the piano. I'm going to oh, do wow. like these weekly classes with them for like music and movement. And they're going to love the classics. Like I have all of these hopes and dreams and goals. And I think more than anything, it's um, time and it's finding good resource. It really is. It's finding good resources that I feel like resonate with me as a musician that I know my kids will love. So, you know, I'm really, really excited about it. And I also wanted to mention to teachers, this is a kind of a fun way you could actually use your 30 days of listening for, or 30 days of encounters, musical encounters um, could be really great for social media. It could be a great opportunity for teachers to say, for the next 30 days, you know, I'm doing these 30 classics, orchestral classics, and how fun would that be? You know, it's already a curated list of works that they could tap into. Um, so just another thought on how they could use that resource. They could even do it with their studio all at once through social that media. That's a great idea. I love that. Yeah, my whole my whole thing is I, I know I've talked to mothers a lot many times about this, and I've heard the struggle is real with time management in the home. I mean, you, you know, kids have so much they're supposed to be doing for homework and for piano practice and all of their extracurriculars and everything. And my goal is to make yeah. resources as easy, as simple as possible to use. And so I can't wait to hear your feedback, Carly. I'm hoping you can test it out on your kids and let me know. Yes, I will. <laughs> I definitely yeah. will. You know, I, I even also had this thought and maybe this could be something you could look at creating down the road when you have extra time, <laughs> which we don't have. But, you know, as you've been talking about imagery, I've thought I, I want to get online and, and print out some like imagery to put on the fridge with these songs to be like, okay, today we're listening to, even if it's just like the song that sounds like horses or the song that sounds like a circus or the song that sounds like um, waves in the ocean, because that's how my kids remember things is they remember it with like accompanied by some kind of an image or a story, um, or it's accompanied with some literature or some kids books that we can, a lot of these classics have books that 
sing the song or go with them. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm already kind of thinking I can do this. I can, I can, yeah. you know, find ways to introduce the classics. And my goal would be, you know, we're driving to grandma's house and they say, can we turn on some Mozart? <laughs> like, I let's know, listen to right? Beethoven. That'd be a dream. <laughs> Actually, my wow. sister or my, my brother and his wife, their kids, that's them. Like they oh, prefer, wow. They prefer like listening to books in the car and classical music and their oldest is only nine. So they're, they're on their way. Like they, she raises them to read and to listen. And I thought I, she's just such a great example to me. Wow. Like you can do it. It just takes, it really does take intent being intentional and not just letting the world happen to our family. Because if you let that happen, like there's no way, there's no way they're just going to suddenly be interested in the ballet and in playing violin and all these really wonderful good things. We just, we have to create a plan and actually do it. I'm motivating myself right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's so good to hear from a parent about all the struggles. It's, oh man, I'm just hypothetically creating these, but I'm, I'm testing it out with real parents. So I'm getting feedback and I'm trying to make this an actually doable thing in the home. Um, and I think what yeah. you said earlier about connecting dots is such a great idea. And eventually it would be really cool to create more resources that tie it together with images, like you said, or like, you know, look at the country that the composer is from. Um, what what was happening in the world of Mozart, you know, stuff like that, because that'll really, as you said, that'll really stick with the child. But I will say I, I did teach at a school, um, this is a long time ago, but I taught K through five, I believe it was. And one of the coolest things I, I did with them, or just one of the coolest things that I saw happen, um, I should say, is that I just asked them to create a story they thought or or assign a title to the piece they were listening to like what do you think the composer was writing about when he wrote this or you know if you were in charge of creating a title for this piece what would it be and they got so excited about that and then you know we did the big reveal at the end so you know it'd be like Smekna's Moldau like you know they would listen to that piece and it's about you know a river running from the mountain to the ocean but they didn't know that and but just hearing all the different ideas for what this piece was about then you talk to the kids about isn't that cool this is what music can be it can be a different story inside the head of the heads of everyone here but then when they hear what it is they're like oh that's awesome i hear that too you know oh, so i love it so yeah there's there are endless possibilities when we start thinking about it and and planning in our minds what could work for our own children for our own students and teachers have this ability to mentor kids and they will think about those moments for the rest of their lives. You know, I often think about my mentors and teachers that introduced some of my favorite composers to me or simply played some pieces for me that maybe I didn't end up learning, but just watching them play something that I know is really hard or took a long time to learn, like how encouraging that was to just witness that. I think that's one of the huge benefits of, we could do another podcast episode on this, but <laughs> of going to the, or going to a live orchestra is you're just in this room where in the, in this moment, like this, I won't relive this again. This isn't being like the acoustic, you know, experience and watching these musicians on their instruments, working together harmoniously. Like there's just so much benefit to introducing that to our kids. And I, I am cheerleading and rooting for music teachers everywhere to keep it around um at, in ways that are creative like you said maybe we do both we do pop and classical that's by the way i do the same thing i've always done that like because we need to compromise i think we need to compromise with our kids unless they love i do have one student who loves classical music and that's it's always such a treat right when, when we get that yeah, that one who doesn't want to do anything else it's it's amazing yeah 
<laughs> okay. We could keep talking, but I want to hear what are your web, what's your website, your social media, so teachers can connect with you further. Okay. Yeah. So my website is sadiehoyt.com. If you're looking for free resources, it's sadiehoyt.com slash free resources, I believe, but it's easy to get there. If you just click on the educator tab on my website and then my social media links are facebook.com slash Sadie Hoyt music. Sorry. Yeah. So facebook.com slash Sadie Hoyt music. And then my Instagram handle is, um, you know, instagram.com slash Sadie Hoyt. Perfect. One more question before we go, because this is an online teaching podcast. I want to know how was your transition to teaching online during the pandemic? Are you still fully, are you fully teaching online now? Is it a hybrid? What's your experience been? Yeah. So it was a funny experience. I will say for one, I wasn't completely new. I used to live out in Portland, Oregon area. And then I moved from Portland, Oregon to DC to uh, actually get my master's in music. And um, when I moved, I had to say goodbye to about 30 students, a full studio. And it was incredibly sad. As we all know, we've built up studios and just leaving behind. It's terrible. So I ended up keeping actually a family from the West Coast online. They contacted me a year after I had moved and said they missed me, which was such an honor to hear. And they wanted to take from me online. So I gave it a try before COVID. And so I'd already had a little bit of experience with it, but I wasn't totally set up for it. It wasn't really, you know, I didn't have the right... Um, organization for it and stuff. So it was definitely a huge challenge at first because I was also living in a cramped space with two other girls on Capitol Hill uh, during 2020, by the way. 2020 (laughs) in DC was quite eventful. So um, it was really cramped and claustrophobic and I was on Zoom and I was really going crazy, I'm going to be honest, um, for the first year basically or nine months. But within those nine months also, I was growing a lot and I was actually, I, I found you um, during that time, I was finding gr- online groups and it was so wonderful to just know there's this huge support network out there of people doing this worldwide who have already been doing yeah. this. So I started doing research and looking up ways to improve it and gradually over you know a span of, I would say about a year, I just learned all the ways to make it better. Um, I started using Musicology, which is so much better than Zoom and looking up a lot more resources. So yeah, I'm still actually fully online. It's crazy. I moved from DC back home to Ohio where I'm from. And I was honest with my students about what I was doing. I said I wanted to be closer to my family and I wasn't sure if I'd come back. This might be indefinite. And I didn't know if they'd leave me or not, but I tried to really talk up you know, I've listened to your podcast about group classes and about adding value to online your online studio. And um, I really tried to, during 2020, introduce uh, extra workshops like in composition. We did a lot of extra stuff. And so when I moved Good. home, I tried to build up the whole online studio. We're going to have a thriving online studio with, you know, options for your child to play for their peers and connect with young pianists around the world. And I switched to a That's membership. Great. Price. So it's it's not just the parent isn't just thinking about what price they're paying for each lesson, but it's like you're part of Sadie's studio, you get access to all these benefits. And it's been really a dream, honestly. I can't believe that I was able to move home and keep third all 30 of my students. It's crazy. I mean, COVID oh, is terrible, I love it. but also, you know, it's it's really helped us transition to a whole new way of living and working. 
Yes. You know, and the creativity that comes from hard situations is always amazing and can be life-changing. I've watched teachers who claim to be like the most tech inefficient people on the planet who are now like multiple cameras and microphones and editing videos for students. And they love it. They really love the ability to create a multimedia experience for their students versus sitting next to them on a bench, which again, will never go away is a wonderful way of teaching. Um, but there is so much potential and possibility with online teaching. Thank you so much, Sadie. Such a pleasure to chat with you today. Yes, so wonderful to chat with you too. Thanks for having me. A huge thank you to Sadie for coming on the Teach Music Online podcast and letting me pick her brain a little bit about how she's doing such amazing things with classical music with her students, as well as the resources she's creating in hopes of helping teachers and families everywhere bring classical music into their homes. I know after after having my discussion with her, I actually went downstairs and turned on some classical music. My little three and four-year-old were in the kitchen painting. They love watercolor. And I think they were, I don't think they were listening to anything. And we have a speaker in the kitchen. And so I turned on the flight of the bumblebee and we talked about <laughs> the bumblebee and we painted them. And I thought, gosh, that was so fun and so easy for me to do with my girls. Um, it's kind of spur of the moment. So thank you so much for inspiring me, Sadie. Before you go, I wanted to let you know that you need to be on the Teach Music Online email list. If you're not, send me an email because on Black Friday, I'm doing a very, very special bonus discount day for Teach Music Online. I have not ever done this before and I most likely won't do it again. I'm trying this for Black Friday and I can't wait. I'm getting so excited about it. So be sure you're on the email list so that you'll get email announcements on Black Friday, my one day only discount to Teach Music Online. If you need to get on there, just send me an email, carly at teachmusic.com dot online and I will be sure to add you or you can always message me on Instagram teach music online come over to the website fill out go to the contact page there's lots of ways to get in touch with me but I want to make sure if you've been listening for a while and you are so ready to jump into the teach music online program and really take your business to the next level to raise your rates to get new students to incorporate group classes to hire other teachers to create digital courses whatever it is I want to be the person to help you get there along with our amazing community of teachers that are around the globe so get excited Black Friday is coming and I can't wait for that all right, hope you have a great week. Who is your business coach? If you don't have one, I would be so honored to be your coach. I created a virtual course and coaching membership called Teach Music Online that I want to invite you to join me in. With 60 plus videos, online teaching certification, monthly live group sessions, hundreds of hours of recordings, and online forums, you'll know exactly how to create a thriving online business that gives you the flexibility and freedom that I know you deserve. Plus, you'll have the support of hundreds of like-minded teachers along the way. So when you're ready to really take what you're learning on this podcast to the 10x level, then come check out the Teach Music Online membership at teachmusic.online forward slash membership. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have an amazing week and as always, happy teaching.